Vintage. Today, we are so excited to have the incomparable composer, arranger, conductor, and musical director, Marie Douglas with us. Hello, Marie. Nice to see you here. Um, it's super cool because we have all encountered Marie's like work at a different point within our education. And I know for me, there's more recent things that got me super interested in what you're doing. But before we even get into that, um, let, let the people know who you are, what you're doing, and uh, just kind of what's happening right now in your sphere. Well, uh, as Lauren so eloquently stated, um, I am <clears throat> a composer, uh, among other things, you know, but, you know, I think that's what I see myself as mostly, um, you know, a musician, I play French horn, uh, if you want to go back even further, you know, into my heritage, I guess, uh, I'm not like your typical Southern you know, black girl, I guess. Uh, I did go to church. <clears throat> my parents were very religious, but I wasn't a church musician, you know. So my musicianship comes from joining band in high school, uh, actively listening my whole life because I really wanted to be a composer since as, as long as I can remember. But yeah, uh, and you know, eventually going to HBCU and at uh, Florida A&M and um, being in the hundred, learning all these different styles of music, like, and it just made me really multifaceted. And inside of that band, a lot of stuff happened as far as the arranging and the composition of the music, you know, it was really layered. It was deep. <clears throat> you know, you had a bunch of genres sometimes stacked on top of each other. And uh, that that kind of influences who I am today a whole lot. Uh, but anyway, just being uh, somebody who is, you know, from Atlanta, always looking at, you're probably going to hear my cat. He's right here. He might jump up here. Just, <laughs> he may join the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, coming from Atlanta and just being kind of <clears throat> inundated in a city that was starting to really take off quickly with entertainment and so many talented people around you and so much culture. It was just real ripe. And so, you know, going to HBCU after that, now just being, you know, teaching, collecting all this data about culture in South Florida and Atlanta. And then now going to school at uh, Memphis for my DMA in composition, it's just like, is turning to this hodgepodge. So you said, what's going on in my spirit? I'm like swimming in a bowl of soup. <laughs> Musical soup. That, I mean, first of all, we, we, all of us are from the South and all from Georgia as well. And so anytime oh, we sweet. have someone on, we're like, yo, <laughs> like, wait a minute. You said Atlanta, we were uh, like, uh, Atlanta. I swear we <laughs> only, we only bring Georgia people on the podcast. I mean, I, I, it really feels like talented. Okay, we are right. we are on the map. Okay, look, come oh. on, we're we are Georgia natives. I mean, me and Michael are from Macon, so we were like a little, you know, about yeah. an hour and a half yeah. below. Yeah, uh, Lauren was over there all the way in Augusta. Augusta. <laughs> so, but we. I all... want to really visit them cities and get into those. Like, I'm, you know, I've really, I'm, I'm from the inner perimeter, perimeter so. Ah, you know, like see from, other, you know, you know we gonna uh, we scared to go outside of that sometimes. 
<laughs> y'all scared to go out of 285 a little bit. Y'all yes. Yeah. Um, leave it right here. But, you know, I, now that I'm older, you know, a little more aware of myself, I want to go out and, like, really see, uh, you know, Georgia for real, where there are other pockets of, you know, talent and culture. Uh, you know. Everywhere. You come down to Macon. I, I mean, look. It's Macon, going down. You better come down. The culture, I mean, it is really popping. So I'm just saying, like, come on down. I Look, it'll be like an hour and a half drive. Sometimes it might be long. You know how Atlanta traffic is. I mean, two and a half with, with traffic. Right, it might be two. I know coming driving from college because we went up at, in Kennesaw, so we had to go through Atlanta to come, go home. Ooh. We're just sitting here like, am I ever going to get home? Am I going to get home through yeah. this traffic? So you got to either Especially go. Especially going south. Exactly. Oh You're going to have to go in the morning time And that stupid, uh, what is it, the uh, tollway? That don't even work. Like, I don't know why they put it down there. It's a new thing. But I, one in Florida that, like, the Sun Pass, you probably been oh, yeah, down there. It, I guess they were trying to see if it would work, but I don't know. Not in Atlanta. Everything don't work everywhere. That is, nope. true. that is true. And so I know, like, for real, a lot of Atlanta people that were in the perimeter, they kind of stay there. So what made you go to FAMU? I mean, you had Spellman, you had Clark, you, I mean, like you had HBCUs there, but you chose to go all the way down to Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah. What, what was like, you know, what was calling you? Uh, so I really didn't care about college or any of that sort of thing uh, before I saw the Marching 100. And so, you know, I know y'all seen, um, it's one of these shows that's on Netflix and it's showcasing Bethune Cookman's band. Yes. And the girl's like, I went to band, I went to college for band. Yeah. And everybody cracking her. Yeah. But dang it, that's what I went to college for. <laughs> exactly. You know, I went to college to be, I was inspired by the, the program at FAMU. Uh, once I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, I know that's where I need to go. Yeah. I heard the arrangements, like I told you, the way that they were crafted well, first of all, like going way back, you know, Quincy Jones was my fixation. Once I found out who made Michael Jackson's like thriller and off the wall music, I was like, who is that? A black man? Yeah. Start learning about him and he's like educated. Like, you know, he's trained. Very trained. So I was like, okay, well, I felt like I was going to have to, you know, have that. I was going to have to be equipped with that, mm-hmm. you know, education and stuff like that. So. Um, I don't know where these thoughts came from. Maybe it's like some sort of person whispering to me, but no resources. Nobody was saying this to me. It was just like looking around. But um, <clears throat> but truly what got me to family was those arrangements, hearing that band, hearing, seeing the complicated things that the band did. And, you know, in Atlanta, like you said, it's plenty of, uh, it's plenty of examples. Like, you know, Clark had a fine band back in my time, you know, of being a kid. Uh, who else? Uh, Morris Brown. If Morris Brown had been open, oh, fam, you wouldn't have a chance. Everybody ah. was just like, "Oh, I'm going to Morris Brown." Ooh, Morris I don't Brown. have. I don't have to have any of my ducks in a row. Really, I just really got to be passionate about band to go to Morris Brown and get into that program because they just weren't gatekeeping in that way. That wasn't their focus. Uh, fam, you on the other hand has always had a standard of like, you know, we're not, you know, you got to come in with these sort of things in place, but that was their, that was their focus. You know, every one of these HBCUs has a different marketing, just like every other regular college does. 
So it was like, um, you know, just wanting to go there was me knowing exactly what I needed to be respected, I think. And it has paid off. And it's not necessarily respect like I thought it was. It was more like, oh, it turned into more like a network of people, you know, on average in that band. When I was there, there was at least like 375 people. So each year going in and out, you're meeting these new people and impressing upon like you just have no clue what that does for your network and I think that uh we underestimate that as far as you know just having these forced social situations being really enhancers of our network you know anyway you're gonna ask these questions and you finish the conversation so let's I'm gonna ramble that's very important I mean networking (laughs) especially um us as black musicians and, and black people in this field where, where it is predominantly not for us. So we have mm-hmm. to rely on, you know, our people to, you know, get mm-hmm. us in those places and things like that. So it is very, very important. And I know when I was growing up, um, originally I wanted to go to Morehouse, like, cause I remember uh, choir was something that I really just loved. And I remember I went and saw uh, the ASO Christmas thing and they mm-hmm. would always have Spellman, they would have um, Morehouse and everything. Right. And I just remember them, they were singing Um, And I just remember like, oh my God, that was my first time seeing a black male conductor. That was my first time seeing black men singing. I was just like, what like what in the world so like Morehouse is like my number one for a very long time and just knowing that going there would have been like the best but things you know some sometimes it works sometimes it don't Um, but the network in itself is very important and that is something that I've learned unfortunately but fortunately that we have to you know really kind of stick with unfortunately but fortunately that's real talk (laughs) yeah yeah you know it's a it's a crap shoe and we're all learning Mm -hmm. we learn and for me i'll I'll point out um going more onto the compositional side that especially when it because i'm I'm performance by nature i play flute and so especially these past two years i will have to say after undergrad i kind of hit a thing where i started actually thinking for myself (laughs) i think just a little bit when it comes to programming if that makes sense and a really um, a big thing I've been getting more into and trying to trying to think about more is like who I who I'm programming on my recitals and who I'm like encouraging people to to go play because under oh what should I play what should I play like and um, it's now getting to a point where I'm like you know I remember sitting and thinking like about how music can reflect us and how we can feel affirmed by our music and trying to go more into that arena of like, I want to play music that I feel like I am expressing myself and I feel connected to, right? And so I'm like, okay, so like, let's start with like, I'm I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm from the South, I'm thinking about all these elements. And I'm like, I want to play more women or more music by black women. And then I'm like sitting and thinking like, I have never at that point, I had never played I don't think a piece by a black woman within an or like in an ensemble, like a large ensemble, I was really heavily thinking about it. And I was like, I don't think that has ever happened. And I was looking back at my own music and um, I was like, my like personal repertoire. And I was like, it's not there. 
it's like so in my music my me lauren is not reflected in what i have programmed and what i have played in the past and i didn't hold that against myself i wanted to feel a little icky for a moment about that but then i have to remember there are structures there are things that are that are we go through we have to go through because that is how we are seen as serious that's how we get the degree that's you know so it's been a conversation i've been having a lot um, and I'm, when I see like you, when I see other like young black composers and especially black women composers, like going out and making a name for themselves, I'm like, please more. Like I need that. I want, I, 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 I push it. I celebrate it. And I'm like, we need this because I need it. I personally myself need this music. And so I just wanted to, to point that out before we even start talking about compositions, um, about how significant it is just to have you here, you know? Thank you. That those words, yeah, I have no clue uh, how much that means when uh, I hear people say that. So it just fuels me to keep going. So I really appreciate it. Please. And I think I think it's a it's almost like a two way street now going forward into like the the next era of music that we're doing right now because we're put everybody is pushing diversity. Mm. Who is actually inviting the people to the table? Who is commissioning these works? Like you have a consortium that I think just finally, I think had an end date of who can like when they could join and stuff that I, if I was a flute player, I would have joined, but I'm a trumpet player, sadly. So I, I can't play all them high notes, but like, that's what we need to invite people to the table. And I like, as Lauren, I'm a trumpet player and I'm a performer and people ask me, what do you like? What should I program first? I always say, look at your weaknesses, look at your strengths. Cause we, I always approach it from a, um, like from a pedagogy standpoint and then, okay, what can you play? What is a standard in the repertoire? Awesome. Now what has been written now by a living composer that does the same thing as those standards. And you can ask these two An undergrad. Mm -mm. I was like, standards only, please. Give me my white hair and my blue music and all this other stuff. But now, like, I've been really trying. I think on my master's recital, three living composers, only one dead composer. And I really tried to push, like, now living composers. Me and Lauren are in a duo. We've commissioned a couple of works now. I've commissioned a couple of works. Like, we have to get living composers' musics played before they, like pass away because then at that point people will then sometimes forget about people we have seen people through the realm of wind band music especially haven't had their music played recently because they're also not living it's like we're not reviving these old works we need to revive and keep pushing forward because then we need to see where this came from and see the lineage and the heritage like there's so many Ulysses K's works that are out of print, but some people are still playing that I wish everybody could play because then we see that. And then we see the tie to you or Kevin Day or Kataj Copley. Like we see all these new composers and it started like back then, but they, Ulysses K didn't get the play time. Neither did Florence Price. Neither did George Walker. I mean, the list can go on and on and their music is fantastic. And y'all's music is fantastic. And when I, one of my biggest moments of like sitting in a, I love brass quintet because that's what I love to do. I was sitting in a recital and I saw Kevin Day and George Walker on the same program. I almost died. I was like, this is it. This is what the future needs to be. And it's like, it's great to have composers like you and all these other ones that we mentioned pushing us forward. And then, and it's on the performers to play your music 
to breathe life into it because music is a living breathing art it's not something that's just like oh here's a paper i have now completed a degree because then we hear those recitals and no one's musically driven we i want to go to recitals that make me want to create not just play music make me want to create and i can see that you're like here for it and i'm here for it with your like it's great yeah that that is really key you know it's been times when i've kind of like given up on my uh artistry or you know really want to put that foot forward um because i was in school for music education and composition i mean and, and performance it wasn't composition wasn't an option really so you know that thing you mentioned about going to these things and wanting to create off of them like you know, you know being inspired by your surroundings i think that's something that happens to me often that has kept me going like hearing different music out there and, hearing people just try crazy things. And, you know, more recently folks like uh, Jacob Collier and uh, Corey Henry and, you know, just YouTube in general. Yep. As yep. a whole, it's just so useful to, you know, me trying things and pushing the envelope and keeping on going. So, I agree. you know, definitely just the the world of cohabitation and cor you know correlation and globalization etc you can add all these adjectives but just working together to create these magnificent creations is on a thousand right now yeah i mean because i was reading in your bio and you were just saying um there were you know some composers uh that you've been inspired by from nathaniel debt um duke ellington florence price margaret bonds um, and which, when I saw Nathaniel Debt, that's usually not a name that like people would say or, or really, you know, music. Because I performed um, his music before, and I and I love to listen to uh, his music. But a lot of people surprisingly don't even know about a lot of his works. I think in, uh, recently there was a transcription of his work uh, for Wind Band, and I remember singing. I was like. Nathaniel Dead actually had like like an orchestral piece or or something like that to be transcribed. Like I didn't even know that. So which one was it? Uh, uh, ooh, was I'm it the Order of Moses? I cannot. It might have been. I'm gonna have to find it, and when I find it, I'm gonna let you know. Because I, I was just it. like, what in the world? Like I didn't even know this, and mm -hmm. I only knew uh, his arrangements of spirituals because usually that's what you would think spirituals. And again, a lot of that music was lost in time. Who who knows? Exactly. People had a lot more music. And same with the other artists. Um, and I think we did in Black History Month, uh, one of y'all, please remind me, but we, uh, I think it was Florence Price, but it was a piece that she had premiered and like it didn't get any play until like 75 years later because it was a Black female performed it was a piano piece and then it was never played again because it went into obscurity and then found 75 years later and now it's like you know big and honestly a lot of these works now and I would say in music is music that was written long time ago in the Jim Crow segregation era and now because of you know the Black Lives Matter movement and everything we're like we is not letting off your throats, okay? You was finna play this music. We not letting off I'm until finna you take this culture. Right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you was finna. We finna put this pressure on you, and that's on. That's period. Okay. So 
all of this music that was made by people who look like us is finally getting played in, uh, and some people are oh my gosh like this music it's so good it's so new and I'm like actually very old um but because of of the bigotry and the racism that our field our field that you know musicians we're supposed to be so liberal and so you know free thinking and all of this right. I hate it so much. but we push all this beautiful music away because oh they're black mm-hmm. yeah no so we finna we stand we are staying with this pressure just know mm-hmm. that just know that because and along with that pressure we open the doors for the new black artists to come and do their artistry because they belong here just as much as these uh um white composers as they get in all these commissions no shade no tea but as they're getting their commissions from big you know places like midwest and stuff like this why why didn't we choose somebody who has uh, a minority who is a minority you know midwest gives out this big uh consortium piece why was that not given to a person of color um Anthony, was it Cave of the Winds or after the cakewalk? I think it was. I think it was. Might have been after the cake. I think it was that one. Okay, because I think that one has the 2014. I I was just looking like as y'all were talking about it. I was like, let me go look and see if I can find something. Um, I've never heard of this composer, and I cannot wait to dig in. And like that's one good thing about like all three of us, and when we have like guests on. We get exposed to new stuff, reading different people's like bios and what inspires them. And it's like, it's education for us. And I think that's what, one thing is lost that I think is really lost in this whole talk about let's be better, let's be more diverse. You have to admit what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you have to admit your own faults. Until that happens, you're not going to get better. You're just going to be like caking on like this stuff, this information without realizing what you didn't know in the first place. And also that you didn't care to know. And like, you have to be genuine about it. Okay. Yeah. Let's not program something. Oh, because I have to check off a box. Let's mm-hmm. not do that because now you're doing a disservice. Yep. You're doing a disservice. And have you felt, have you personally felt that with your music that you're like, do these people actually respect what I'm doing or, or, or are they really just checking this? box have you felt that with your music before i have no clue i mean they might be checking the box i don't know if y'all seen this like y'all watched that show atlanta but uh this latest episode where you know basically they were the point is i'm just like you'll, you'll see it if you watch it but I'm just like, whatever. If y'all want to buy this stuff, then you can buy it. My thing is, you know, you're going to get this culture. Right. You know, you're, you're going to take it. Mm-hmm. it. Whatever you buy from me is going to be cultured. It's never, ever, ever, ever again going to be trying to fit into a box of whatever your expectation or whatever you studied or specialize in. You know, mm-hmm. so if you want to check a box, just know that your whole audience you as a conductor uh who probably doesn't conduct this stuff often your students who potentially don't play this often or your ensemble whatever level you're at you know y'all are about to be educated on something that is completely probably foreign to you so get ready to struggle and you're ready to try to figure out how to interpret and email me and ask how this should go and that should go and 
send me recordings and I'll be there. I'll, I'll help you. Right. Let's talk about that. Because again, what Michael was saying earlier with new compo with living composers, you can email yeah. them. Yeah, you can do. just say, uh, can I have some better understanding of this? Or are we exactly. playing this right? Should we do something different? That's the whole purpose of this. Exactly. Yeah. I, I looking at from my outside coming in, I know people are very quick to email certain composers very quick to be like, oh, I'm playing your work because they those composers have clout. clout. Yeah, mm -hmm. like clout yep. do anything for clout. Okay, sorry. <laughs> they, 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 they want these clouds because they can talk to them at Midwest and rub mm. elbows and everything. Look, and it's like, tag oh, them on Facebook, tag them on... We, tag them. Yeah. But here's the thing, me and Anthony were talking about this and Lauren. There's a big piece going around that a lot of people are playing that I, me, Anthony is in love with, I'm in love with. It's the Concerto for One Ensemble by yeah. Kevin Day. Yeah. Beautiful piece. And other pieces like the Concerto for One Ensemble by Kataj Copley, I'm pretty sure your piece will, I hope it doesn't happen, but it might happen. They will get played like it's a new wind band work. And it's like there's something new within the wind band medium instead of like reaching down into the depths of what it like what it meant for y'all as composers and what it's supposed to mean and what it's supposed to give them and the performance and thing but no they're going to treat it like this new wind band work and this weird textures and stuff and they're missing the point music doesn't have to be hard all the time music doesn't have to be easy all the time but what we have to do is performers conductors and composers we put ourselves into it we go to the deepest darkest depths of what that music is and what it's supposed to give and give it to the audience. Cause if we don't, that's automatic, like that was not a good performance. I mean, if you don't do the research, it's not a good performance. We were taught, all of us were taught and, and everybody out there, if you go train what rest classical tradition and at a university or conservatory, you're taught to dig down deep into handle, Haydn, Hummel, Bach. Like I can just Beethoven, I can keep going, Brahms. Oh, yeah. All the oh, yeah. heme all the heme Anyways, like we're taught to go deep down into them, but we don't do it with living composers that you can literally probably call. Like, I, like some of these people we know, and they'll be like, please call me. Like, please, I will give you my stuff. You can annoy me. Please call me because I want my work and I want your students that have never felt seen to be seen and to feel their culture within this work. And now they will have a reinvigorated love for music and band. Right. It's also about that Michael. feeling. Oh, it's about the feeling. I mean, especially with like uh, your pieces and the concerto and, and things like that. Black music, hip hop, R&B, it's a feeling. It is something mm -hmm. that is innate within our culture and our feeling and our just being. And if you look at the piece very analytically, you're not going to, I mean, I'm pretty sure in music, whenever they do like a jazz piece or, or, or something that has a little soul, you'll hear the, the person say, you got to feel it. You got to, you know, you just got to groove with it. Mm -hmm. Well, here is the piece. I got to do it there. Right. You got to groove with it. And if it's not grooving, guess what? It's not, it, it's not. It's authentic. wrong. It's wrong. Because that is the point. When you listen to an RB track or you listen to a hip hop track, it has a groove. It has a feeling. You got to be with that. Okay. You can sit here and analyze the whole score from, to, from yesterday until the day you die. And you still probably perform it wrong if you do not have that feeling. And that's just that. 
that's the thing though like you're you're absolutely right you know we're thinking about stuff like you know what we've been trained to perform well uh stuff like Lincolnshire Posey Lincolnshire however you say it you know Lincolnshire <laughs> San Diego San Diego yeah. but uh you know these songs these these pieces we, we got to perform them just so in it and we have to interpret it. We can't make it sound like jazz. We can't make it sound like hip hop, R&B. We can't make it sound like spiritual, but it does need to sound like folk music and it needs to sound like folk music of its region or, you know, et cetera. Right. You know, and so we do our best to learn that, that you know, vernacular, you know, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Making sure Posey composer. Granger. 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 Yeah, I don't have to edit that out. I really don't. I'm not. Oh no, we um, we have um, <laughs> for lack of we we've shitted on his name enough on this Wait, podcast already. <laughs> Love. I've, okay. I've also I've also butchered some composers' names. It's great. Uh, yeah, that composer. He's yeah. We we've talked about him and his behaviors um, enough on this podcast. If anybody listening, you want to go back. It's, it's probably earlier this season, so you you can go back and listen. Uh huh. Okay, Just go back. I think I might do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, his stuff was really detailed. And so, you know, I, we could perform it pretty well. And that's what I hope to do as well. Like, I'm, you know, I want to make sure my scores are, you know, really uh, professional, you know. Yeah, we might say stuff is, uh, you know, maybe some of it might be simple. I don't know. I think uh, the biggest part of some music that happens these days is the uh, interpretation of it but anyway that I want all my stuff to be really really detailed so that you know that's another thing uh, so people have a good idea of how to interpret it you know for me so I will. go I'm sorry go ahead no, no 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 you 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 finish I want to hear this well that was just it you know I was just gonna keep running <laughs> No, I mean, I just wanted to point out, like, just like we were talking about, you know, talking about Lincolnshire, all these massive pieces, like the standard wind band uh, rap that we have played, they're always approached with this level of, like, just high respect, high regard, and almost just, like, ner- like not nervousness, but just, like, an approach of, like, you need to respect this and understand this is a masterwork. And then there are other pieces that get performed as the fun pieces, right? Mm-hmm. As the kind of blow-off pieces, as the pieces you kind of just, oh, you'll get it. It's a groove, you know? And, like... Like, that's it. And so that's my, the biggest, the biggest issue I have with that is that, like, it's, it's a different interpretation. And they also, they, the, whoever the conductor, like, are, the conductors are, or the conductor is in that, um, a situation, it's up to them to decide, am I going to approach these pieces like the, in the same way similarly like in their own respects or am I going to make this one obviously the one that's important and the other ones are the, the throw off put it at the beginning and the end piece you know what I mean Michael what's right. up um are you talking about one of the programs we played on maybe <clears throat> undergrad no, why, <clears throat> no why, why would I why would I be no of course that had the intimate symphony and B flat and also I, I don't know what groove piece you're talking about yeah. Okay, they're being sh- look, they're being shaded. I'm just gonna flat out say it. So they put a mother of revolution um at the end of Um so obviously the, the meat and potato pieces was symphony and B flat. And then the groove piece that was supposed to, you know, just been a fun little thing. The closer, of course, 
was uh, Mother Revolution. And so, you know, I'm supposed to. Go. Huh? How'd it go? Did y'all kill it? You know, it was groovy. Um, I will say there was, you know, uh-huh. everyone in the audience was a little, like, a little. You know, <laughs> they were dancing. Uh. <laughs> um, I, oh, I, I, after the story was told wrong, they did okay. Yeah. After the story was told wrong. That's nah. <laughs> see, see that, that's the thing with me. Like, if you gonna do it, especially at a and here's one thing I, I I've been bringing up. Every university is technically a research institution, right? That's what every university is. That's okay, what we go it to. Exist otherwise, right? So, like, if we're gonna be here at a research institution, when like I love Mother Revolution. And I love that it's approachable from both high school and a collegiate sense. Um, if we're going to do it from a uh, university perspective, you better know your research. You better tell the story right. You better know stuff that's not in the little program notes. Please, we are a researched institution. That's why I'm also a huge believer. Like, If we're going to be here studying all this music, let's revive some of these Ulysses K, George Walker, like Florence Price. Like here at Western... I'm at Western Michigan University. We have this thing called Western Winds, which is when the grad quintet and the faculty quintet combined. And I think in the hopefully in the works next year, I've like I've like talked to our director of bands. Like hopefully they perform Florence Price's like brass octet with piano that was just revived, I think, last summer. Um, and that's should be within the works because we are a research institution. We should be reviving these works and doing the due diligence so it can then be approached by high schools and other people when they have the full thing, they have a recording, they can really dig into it. But if we play stuff like a mother revolution and other works and we don't do the research, why are we at a university? Why are we doing what we're doing? We're already undervalued as it is within the, within the society. You're making it worse. In some aspects. Exactly. People don't think people understand that, you know, the you do have to justify your job. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. Uh, you do have to figure out how to justify what it is that you're choosing to spend your life doing. At least in this scheme, this universe we're in, you know. Uh, so that is definitely one way to do it. And why not do it with the, you know, the people that were forgotten and, you know, do, do some justice. Do some justice. Do some justice. I want my reparations. I want my. I still want my forty acres and a mule. To be honest, I'm still waiting on that. So you know, come on. Let me get it. Come on. Let so me get it. I want to, um, sh- you know, shed the spotlight on uh, your work, Big City Lights. Like, first of all, when I heard it, I was like, oh my god! Like, this is something completely new. Like, amazing. Uh, amazing. I remember so many people were sharing it on my timeline and I was like, oh my goodness. So what was your inspiration really for um, doing that piece and just tell us all about it? Okay, that piece, uh, it's probably been about a year since I wrote it, like almost to the day, like uh-huh. maybe about give or take a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, for a few weeks before I actually took the time to write it, I was driving around, listen to this. Um, okay. 
this mixtape started. My eyes just started having a seizure. <laughs> and uh, this mixtape, and it was a Migos mixtape. The tape itself was like two years old. Um, but I just be listening to the mixtapes just because it keeps me grounded. Yes. Um, and that's pretty much how, like, I've always been. I've always been just going to the corner store, buy a mixtape, you know, type of girl. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so anyway, listen to the song on that album, on that mixtape, and it was called Water. And it's not the water that they have with DJ Mustard. And there's another water that they have, but it's not that one. It's a whole another one. Oh. And, you know, you could only find this on what? Something like a mixtape, right? A mixtape, of course. You know, something like you got Diddy, like an underground or something. Anyway, so that song kept listening. I was listening, putting it on repeat for like two weeks. And then, so I went home one day and just started playing on the uh, keyboard to it, like just improvising off of it. And so we come to this. As the weeks went on, uh, after I had this skeleton of, you know, that, I added other flows from other, like, aspects of the song, like Offset's verse, is that this trombone part. And then you have, like, other parts that are, like, future who isn't on that song, but it just is a, like this song called F Up Some Commas, y'all know that song. Uh, it's a, like the last verse of that song. It's like the first few measures of the last verse. It's like this bass clarinet tuba part. And then like, you know, just taking stuff from all these different songs and just stacking them, putting them at different parts uh, and improvising off of them. The slow section is like uh jake i told y'all jake Collier, i really like him uh and this song he has called into deep it's just these eighth notes i think it's like 12 eight time for real but i wasn't even dealing with it i was like let me get this out so i just took his eighth notes and kind of you know sprinkled them on there and that's like the baritone solo euphonium solo uh and then like the motifs throughout the rest of the slow section which is called It's a Vibe. The, the different uh, names of the sections are just like, you know, slang. You all know these slang bird, like, uh, I was lit, uh, you know. Yes. So, you know, you know what that means. But, you know, if we had to explain it in a cultural way, I would rather have somebody else do it, but because I didn't try. Mm-hmm. I can't. Every time somebody's like, so what is it's lit? I'm like, <laughs> how do you not Oh. Right, like I'm sorry, you don't have the Urban Dictionary. This, okay, like you—that's what you're gonna need to do. Just Not the Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary. I, useful. Use it for what it's for. Look it up. But you know what? What we gotta do? We gotta get the dictionary. Get the little, you know. Y'all gotta have both of these on hand, just like we gotta have both oh. of these on hand. Just like we gotta have our language and our code switch. Get this, and then get your little type it in. That's what you need. I will say, as you were talking about your work, I pulled it up on your website, of course. And the minute I saw it's lit and it's a vibe in my heart, I was like, I'm happy. I I love that you you ain't still with some of these people on Dante. Alegretto. See, well, the thing is, I'll use that stuff too. I don't care. I'm gonna mix it all up. Y'all gonna get I love this that. culture. Y'all gonna get my version of it and cantabile. 
because that's who you are. Like that's mm-hmm. who you yes. are, and that's what that's people need to realize. I am a whole person. I have many different facets of myself. And when I mix it all together, that's who I am. But I, um, just hearing your process, you, I was getting very much producer vibe. Like you was going to go in the studio with this artist here and you was laying down a track of life. Because that's, I mean, that, that's really what, when you were saying, I was like, you sound like a straight up producer. Like you finna go in the studio tomorrow. Y'all finna lay down some verses. Like here's the sample here. This is what I'm thinking. I, I was like, okay, we going in the studio tomorrow. Like that's, is that like your process normally? No, that is, that's 100%. I usually am making a beat. Um, yeah, that's it. Because uh, I mean, more than anything, I want to be a producer. But, you know, I found out Quincy was composing. So I was like, okay, you got to do that too, Marie. You got to be a jack too. <laughs> and so, you know, now um, I've been blessed to kind of be able to just marry those. But, um, yeah, that's exactly my process. For the most part, I just open up a logic project and just start improvising over something that I like to, you know, or something I've been thinking of, you know. And then uh, maybe add some trap stuff to it or just some regular I mean I do all kinds of like little uh other day I was listening to lines and so I started doing some little you know seat at the table vibes and yes uh seat at the table (laughs) okay now you get into one of my favorite artists uh Mm -hmm. things so a seat at the table miss Solange knows herself like that is Mm-hmm. that was that album is still on repeat right now like I'm still always to it and anytime I go back to both all of her albums honestly I'm just like there's something new I did not hear before mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just like oh my gosh so I want to ask you what are some, what are name about three or four artists that you were listening to like currently or that kind of stays on your shuffle that you're always just listening to always listening to um i'm always listening to uh definitely because uh i'm from atlanta i'm just overly loyal so it's always some sort of that mm-hmm. you know sound it doesn't matter who it is you know something off of tiktok or somebody i know who is pushing somebody else or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be trying to stay you know tuned into that and then um as far as other genres or other regions it's just a lot of hip-hop it's a whole whole lot of hip-hop a whole lot of r&b a whole lot of oldies um you know blues real old stuff old 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 stuff you know that stuff helps me stay grounded too um like you were just talking about Nathaniel Dett, this book of spirituals by Nathaniel Dett, uh, listening to these, going and digging these up on YouTube or wherever I can find them. You know, I'm in school so I can get a little bit of access to stuff to find those recordings and just tap into those. Uh, I like Don Tolliver a lot right now. Uh, he's like a Houston rapper, singer. Yeah. I really like him. Uh, I'm going all day. Uh, um, little baby. Baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that, uh, that girl, Omaretta. 
Amaretta. <laughs> Not Atlanta. Uh, she just reminded me of me when I was a kid or when I was younger. Uh-huh. You know, so it would be really nice to have her to come out like and break through because she's not like she's not like you know extremely uh sexual or anything she's just kind of like in her own like kind of like how me and my sister and my homegirls were yeah you know, she's a tough girl you know she was but she wasn't like just out there doing you know different type of stuff Right. That she could get in trouble for. She was yep. just chilling mostly. Probably might get into a fight here and there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for being cute and then rattling, rattling off of her mouth. Yeah. You know, so just the kind of person that me and my, my sisters were. I hope she made some, some more noise. Yeah. And she liked dark skin. You know, represent for the dark skin girls. Right. Um, no color or something. See. You know, just but, underrepresentation is a thing. Right. Uplift yeah. right there. Exactly. But um, um yeah, a whole bunch of people. Yeah. I'm Strauss. Probably... Strauss. 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 <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Even though he's you know, he's got some bigotry in his blood. Yeah. And they all do. Mm-hmm. As what I was gonna say, if we if we had to go down the list, we wouldn't have any mm-hmm. left, right? <laughs> but <laughs> um I I'm really interested in talking about your chamber music work just because like Michael talked was talking earlier about Lucidate, that's our flute and trumpet duo. And so being such a weirdly <laughs> infused ensemble, it's not like we have a lot of music out there that, you know, is written for, for our ensemble. So we're always looking at commissions and I was looking at your chamber works and I saw Trey and, you know, being a flute player, obviously that was the first one my mind went to, but then also I knew it. I, as soon as I saw it, I was, I already know, I already know. And I clicked it and I was reading, it, I was like, okay, I'm glad I, I felt that connection before I even clicked on the bio mm. to even know. And so this piece being for flute, clarinet, horn, with percussion in there as well, um, I I immediately was like, how did I not know that this existed? And how quickly can I program this on my own on the next chamber recital? Because, uh, well, I want I want you to talk about. It. I can read it, but I want you to to hear it from you more about the process of creating this piece, Trey. I'll tell you, Trey is really special, man. Trey is that piece that like made me really start writing for real, like Marie. Uh, I had ended up uh, deciding upon, I was in a, in, a, in a program, I was working at this school called Dillard Center for the Arts, one of the most fun times of my life with my freshman brother, Sheldon. Uh, oh, Sheldon. Yeah, and uh, I was in school at the same time and you know, I was inspired by my surroundings, definitely those uh, students that were so talented around there. And uh, so I was just getting so much inspiration at the time. So uh, easily, it was an easy choice for my capstone to, uh, for this program I was in, master's program, uh, Southern Utah. They had a master of music technology. And so that uh, I did that program. Um, anyway, doing the capstone, I read this book by his parents called uh, Rest in Power. You probably heard of it. And reading it, you know, you go through everything. They're giving, they're really humanizing him. You know, they're telling you about him as a kid, as a boy with so much promise. Anyway, so you, uh, I read that whole thing and I'm inspired to kind of make it like a multimedia sort of piece as opposed to just writing a piece. And um, yeah, 
I ended up using this. That was about when I got this book. And I found some spirituals that were in there. I don't really remember which ones right now. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think if I listen to it, I can tell you because I, I can hear the words. But anyway, I used a couple spirituals from there and just improvised. And the one of the hardest parts, other than reading the book, was going and scouring the internet for, you know, the, the media portion, like the videos and things like that, and telling the story of, like, the happenstance. It was kind of like film score in a way, and, like, especially, like, depicting the parts when he was fighting with George Zimmerman, eventually he shot him. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sorry. That 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 is a uh, that's a tough one right there. But it changed me, and now I am never writing other than that voice, other than that improvisation, sounding like true to my roots kind of thing. Because before that, before that piece, I was like, I'm gonna try to sound like Strauss all the time. I'm gonna try to sound like Brooklyn or you know whoever else or Granger or Hinnemann. But that piece made me go boing, never leave. How? Like 2018. Sorry. Um, how, what word will you give to young, like younger, like maybe high school undergraduate composers that are trying to find their voice? And like, what advice would you tell them to like how to search for that within themselves or how to search for that within their new compositions and other things like that? Um, probably find the thing that you like the most and the thing that is most natural to you to come, that comes out of you is what you should certainly be doing um your pedigree is if you're you know and then what your target market is like okay I'm composing differently for different people I'm not writing like this if I'm writing for Southern's marching band I'm giving them exactly what they want you know so you know just when you're trying to find your voice, write a whole lot and consider your uh, uh, audience or your customer and write what you love to write because that's your voice. Boy. Um, I thought that you had a piece called Pride um, for horn, euphonium, and tuba. Where, where did that kind of come from? And also horn, um, tuba, euphonium. Interesting combination. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, there were these friends that uh, I made up in uh, when my husband was working at Arkansas at this school called Henderson State University. Mm -hmm. And they had a trio of uh, horn, euphonium, and tuba. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh my God, uh, we love Listen to the Lambs, blah, blah, blah. They, they really like my music. Lambs uh, is like a Nathaniel Deck piece that I transcribed, but my husband played it at that school and they heard it and they was like, oh, Right, right. And um, so they, you know, that was like my first ever for real commission, you know.
identify in some way as, you know, with the, not necessarily identify with it, but, you know, they had, you know, empathy and all this and believe in the cause of, you know, the LGBTQ, you know, community. And so, you know, they felt like that was a good, because I gave a few suggestions, like the black community, blah, 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 blah. They were like, well, you know, maybe this would be better. So I was like, heck yeah, I'll take it. Either way, I'm right for somebody. Huh? And and so uh, I, what I ended up using for that song, a lot of my inspiration was folks that were people who had like, in a way, aligned themselves, either knowingly or unknowingly with the community from different genres. And so folks like, you can hear like Young Thug in there, if you listen really hard, uh, like maybe the second movement of it. And then um, some like Lady Gaga, some Frank Ocean vibes, mm. you know, you could just, uh, yeah, Beautiful. so. I, I love that. I love how like you really just bring all these different, you know, music into what is known as classical, whatever that term means or colloquially that people say our music right. is. Um, I love how you bring those genres into this. It is absolutely fantastic. And I just want to say thank you for being part of that change uh, that is so needed right now um, in this field because your voice is, needs to be heard, your music needs to be heard, um, and you are really making that big change. So thank you so, so, so much for just, honestly, just being you, being you and, and doing what you do. So that that's just thanks. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Thank y'all for documenting all this. Uh, you know, y'all are having this podcast and you know this is important so thank y'all absolutely and um y'all better go listen to this music I'm um, telling you. Heather. immediately by if y'all want i'll let y'all uh i'll send y'all uh so y'all can hear the new flute concerto i just did yes I'm yes gonna it to you lauren so thank you i would love that we're, we yeah, literally would a little just score. about that yeah Tell them where they can literally follow you everywhere so that they stay up with you um, because they need to be behind you and with everything that you do. Oh, sweet. Um, well, my Instagram is uh, at Marie underscore Douglas underscore music. Uh, it's really personal, but I have all my music stuff out there. But I mean, I don't say anything crazy. I do say stuff crazy, but it's just like black people stuff. And um, period. period. And then I have my website, www.marieadouglas.com, where you can see all the stuff that I'm doing or done. Um, then my Facebook page is just Marie Antoinette Douglas, if you want to uh, go find me on there. Uh, my name, Antoinette, apparently is supposedly spelled incorrectly. I'm going to leave it. <laughs> so that that'll let you know if it's me right so, uh, well look we are going to follow and at rose to pitch we are always behind you uh and everything so we we're gonna be out here telling 
everybody uh, about your music. We're going to tell it from the mountaintops right. down into the valleys and everywhere in between. Because mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. what true allyship <laughs> is. The Holy Ghost messing with oh, look, it's a holy weekend. So we got look, a lot it, look, holy we It's the Sunday right now. I... I, I was born and raised in the church. So, you know, right. a testimony. Right. <laughs> Got to give it out. But I'm telling you, like, we we are going to be, you know, screaming your name. I mean, we already scream everybody's name, but we definitely going to. And that's what a true ally is for everybody that's listening that is into this podcast. That is what true allyship is. So just want to put that out there. But it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast with us. So thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day. And uh, to our listeners, please, please, please go follow all the links. We'll have them down below. And have a good rest of y'all's day. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.